Love Talk Radio. Church with you tonight. 
Amen. I look forward, church. Amen. I look forward to being here. When we're not together, I look forward to us being together. Amen. I've got prayer requests tonight. Do you have some as well? Okay. Charlotte, you throwed your hand up first. You get the first bid. All right, sister. We sure will. We sure will. Miss Bonnie? Bless her heart. I just don't think her family yet is ready to give up. Yeah. Because she's hanging on and hanging on. But we just really need to pray for her that she's not going to be seen or anything. And I know she's going to appreciate the pain, but I don't see it. Right. But um, anyway, we just need to really pray for her. Um, Also, I got a text from my my niece, and she said um, she went from feeling like life was worth living at 4%, and now it's up to 30%. So she's getting better. Praise the Lord. So prayers are working. Amen. Wonderful. That's wonderful. Others tonight? Okay. I've got several. Um, Pray for uh, Stephanie's family. As her aunt Ginger passed away, and uh, and pray for her uncle Roger. Pray for that fa- their side of the family. Um, pray for Jared Jackson. I've mentioned he's having a problem. He can't swallow food, and his esophagus is tightened up, and it won't open. And they've stretched it twice, but he and it won't. It won't. He can't get anything down. So he's been basically on a liquid diet for um, for a better part of a month. He's about 25, 26 years old. He's a young kid and prime his life, and he told his mama, he said, Mama, I honestly feel like I'm dying. I really do. And so please pray. that. And, and they keep putting them off and putting them off, getting treatment, anything's done, done about it. So she's very frustrated. Of course, she's a mama worried about her son, and there ain't nothing, ain't nothing they can do about it at the moment. So pray for them. Um, good night. Scott as well. Who else I had on my heart? Uh, my sister in Arkansas. Please lift her up in prayer. Um, Erica, her mom, that's who it was. Uh, Brenda, I think's her name. Help me, somebody. Y'all remember? I think it's Brenda Dickerson, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Lord, forgive me if I got her first name wrong. I know her last name's Dickerson, but please, y'all pray for pray for her. Uh, Donnie called me earlier. He said, he said, pray for me. I'm driving in the rain, and I hate driving in the rain, first of all, he said, but he said, but they had called, and uh, he was going to get Erica to take her up to where her mom is because they said they thought she may pass today. So please uh, pray for her. Uh, they way explained to me, last time she was real bad sick, they did a trach on her to uh, to get help her breathe, and she put a, a DNR in and said that if they have to put a trach back in, she'd just soon not, not make it, so... They, they're they not going to try to go against her wishes again anyway because legally she put a DNR in place. So uh, so please pray that, uh, that God will give her. I mean, according to her, I've asked them, and they both said, him, he and her both said they're pretty sure. They're 99% sure she's saved, and I guess as sure as you can be. So pray for her as she's uh, hopefully passing into the Lord's arms uh, today or tonight sometime. Please uh, pray God give them grace and everybody involved. And uh, give pray for Donnie that he'd be a comfort to his wife. Um, are there others tonight? 
Jackie's living with her sister in Idabel. I talked to Jackie today. Matter of fact, uh, she texted me earlier today about something. But uh, she she mentioned she said I've got to I got to come back and visit Donnie and them so I can come to church. So I said, well, yeah, you need to do that. We miss you. So, but yeah, she uh, she moved out about about a month maybe a month ago. Moved up there to live with her sister. Uh, but anyway. You mean they're on in band prayer? I got unspoken prayer. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I've got. I probably got about fifteen in my mind that I'm trying to remember that I've had people talk to me, but Lord knows who they are, and uh, and God God will take care of it too. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with it, to meet with all these prayer requests, and ask God to meet with us tonight. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. All right. Y'all be seated. <coughs> Oh, oh. 
to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. All right, number number 58. Kneel at the cross. Christ will meet you there. 58. Kneel at the cross, Christ will meet you there, come while he waits for you. Listen to his voice, leave with him your care, and begin life anew. Kneel at the cross, leave every care, kneel at the cross. Jesus will meet you there. Kneel at the cross. There is room for all who would his glory share. Is there a way? Harm can there be fall those who are anchored there? Kneel at the cross. Leave every care. And though 
of any sin in my life that might hinder the message, hinder you working through me. Lord, I, I yield myself afresh to you, and I ask you, please, fill me up. Fill me and pour me out before these people, Lord. Give them what they need. Lord, you can only do it, only you. And so, Lord, I ask now that you meet every need. Lord, there are people listening in tonight, and they've got needs as well. Father, I pray something that's said tonight would address a need that they have, and, Lord, help them, give them guidance in the right direction. Speak to hearts tonight as only you can, and we'll praise you, and we'll give you glory, for you are the great and and, uh, holy and righteous God, and we thank you for our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Proverbs 19 and verse 15. What a pretty one to start on tonight. We're going to talk about lazy folks. Amen. I I can be one. I'm not going to lie to you. I I can be lazy as anybody if you let me be. Boy, you put me in a recliner, I'm in trouble. Amen. Let me sit somewhere too long. You know, the older I get, the the easier I find it is to stay put. You ever heard that old expression, objects in motion tend to stay in motion, objects at rest tend to stay at rest? Well, boy, I get at rest too often. And I'm not old as I as I feel, and I'm not as old as I look, but my goodness, that shoe sure feels good sometimes when you use it, amen? You, you try it on, because just to sit and rest, amen? But that ain't really what we're talking about. We're talking about something beyond just needing to sit and rest every now and then, amen? Praise the Lord. Y'all come on in here. And that's exactly who I was talking about a while ago when I said these folks been watching. And, and, and praise God, it's Grady Finney and his wife and sister. Tell me again your name. Shirley. Shirley, that's right. Grady and Shirley Finney, y'all. Y'all come. Come on in and have a seat. Anywhere you like. Anywhere's fine. We're glad y'all here tonight. Come on in. Yeah. I don't know how long to find you. Yeah. Well, mercy sake. Well, I'm glad you made it. I hadn't even really started. I just we just prayed and got things to get started. But anyway, we're in Proverbs. We're in Proverbs chapter 19 tonight, and uh, verse 15. And I, I I read the verse. It says, well, actually I didn't read it, did I? It says, slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep. And an idle soul shall suffer hunger. I just mentioned that, that you know, it ain't hard to be lazy. All you got to do is sit still for a little while. And we tend to want to stay there. And, and that's, not, that's, not, that's not negative, I mean, that's just the way it is. We get tired easy. But we're talking about slothfulness. Slothfulness is a little deeper than, than just being, being a little lazy every now and then. Uh, you know, it says slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep. And there's a lot of problems with laziness, and one of them is that it leads to more laziness. Like I said, objects at rest tend to stay at rest. And if you get lazy, it's easy to say, man, I just don't feel like getting up and doing nothing. Man, you know, and the calendar rolls, and you say, man, I was so tired yesterday. I just don't feel like doing nothing today, neither. And next thing you know, a week's done passed, and then another week, and another, and your wife says, are you ever going to get up and do anything, or are you just going to sit there? I mean, it's easy to do that, amen. But, uh, but I don't think there's too many men telling their wife that. Are you just going to sit there, amen? It's usually the wife telling the husband, ain't it? But anyway, but, uh, but what happens is, like I said, laziness begets laziness. And it sends, it sends a lazy person into kind of a deep sleep. 
the more the more the more laziness you have in your life just again you gotta get used to being in that spot. You know, it's kinda like riding riding in a deep rut. It's hard to get out of it, amen. And and laziness begets laziness and, and you know like I said, it sends the lazy man into a deep sleep and if you've raised teenagers you probably know how this tune goes. Amen. Because, I mean, I, I mean, I know, I remember. I was. It, it seemed like it was, wasn't that long ago, but it really was. But, you know, my mom was sitting right there, and I know she remembers how it was for me to be a teenager. And, you know, there ain't much work gets done out of a deep sleep, is there? Not much going to get done if somebody's in a deep sleep. You know, I I, I know how it is because I, rem- I, I remember waiting on people to get up. You know, even when I done got up, they still in the bed, you know, waiting on my brothers to get up or do something. And, you know, and I remember very well being a teenager. Now, I'll tell you, now y'all know my daddy, so, okay? So this, this has more meaning in here tonight than it normally would. But my stepmother, you know my stepmother, Renee, too? Y'all remember Renee? Okay, well, Renee, Renee was the one I was really afraid of, it was more than him, really, to be honest with you, because she was the key to whether or not I ended up getting it or not. If she if, if I was she was okay with me and what I did, then I'd be okay. She wouldn't turn him on me. But boy, if I didn't do what she asked, it was over. And so I remember, I remember the panic. I remember the panic of waking up late in the day. You know, been stayed up all night and slept half the day. And I'm talking about being a teenager in my early twenties. And 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 waking up, walking in the kitchen. You know, hair all messed up. And, uh, what's this? Oh, there's a list of stuff I'm supposed to do today. Oh my goodness. And she had left it for me and my brother, and, and, and along at the bottom of the list, and it was always on a yellow legal pad written in blue pen, and at the bottom of that list was a list of consequences if I didn't get it done. Boy, it was a bad feeling, I'm going to tell you right now, because I knew I was in trouble if, if I didn't get it done by the time she got home. But, like I said, slothfulness, it ain't no good thing. If, 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 if you got something you got to get done, it ain't no good thing to be lazy. But but it will. It'll, it'll keep a person being more more slothful. And the, the last part of that says is the idle soul shall, shall suffer hunger, okay? Well, the sluggard's going to lose everything because of that deep sleep. He realizes, you know, hey, uh, wait, they're cutting my lights off. Where's my life? What happened to my life? You know, laziness, put, laziness puts him in so deep a sleep, he's totally unconscious of the situation going on around him. Uh, you know, and I know most everybody in here, you, you don't live that way, but there are people out there that do. We've got a nation of that. Uh, we've got a, a nation where people got job openings everywhere, but yet you got so many people that don't want to get up off their couch and go down and try to get a job. Laziness is a terrible disease in this hour that we're living in. And you know, again, no matter how tragic a person's situation may be, they're unable to wake themselves up out of their laziness and that sleep that they have, and 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 they refuse to get up. And you know what? Eventually, they eventually the tummy's gonna start rumbling. Because eventually, you know, they put themselves in a position where I ain't got no money because I didn't go to work. I ain't do nothing. I ain't got no groceries. I ain't went to get no groceries, and I ain't got no money in the bill for What am I going to do now? Again, that sluggard is going to end up in ruin because of his laziness, and he's going to lose everything. And, you know, it's very similar to that of a drunkard. What happens to a drunkard? He just keep on drinking and keep on drinking. He say, well, I'm going to quit one of these days, but I keep on drinking because I get up and I think, well, I don't want to face the world without another drink, so I'm going to go back and get another drink. And pretty soon it's the everyday thing. It's, 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 it's sleep, wake up, drink, puke, pass out, sleep, you know, on and on and on and on. And it's a terrible cycle. 
Amen. And the same thing goes with the glutton. The glutton is just eat, eat, eat. Pretty soon it's going to catch up to you. If you continue to do something that's going to destroy you, eventually, guess what? It's going to happen. You know, I, I used to have a good friend out in Amarillo, the doctor, and he, he said, you know, falling feels a lot like flying till you hit the ground. And that's true, you know. And, again, the lazy man thinks that they're never going to catch up to him, but eventually it's going to come crashing down. And the Bible said an idle social supper, hunger. And, you know, the great price, the great price is to be paid from, from laziness. And one of those prices is the hunger that somebody suffers if their needs aren't met through hard work. You've got to get out there and make a living. And the lazy man or woman puts himself into this, this trap of, of sleep and hunger. Again, depression. Depression is one, and I want to throw this in there because I don't want to miss it because I have to think of that separately. Depression is one of the catalysts for laziness, and and I'm not picking on people that are depressed, but it's the truth. When you get depressed, you don't want to do nothing. You want to withdraw. You know, and you say, how do you know? Well, I've been there. And I've been been around a lot of people who have been depressed, and they want to withdraw. They want to go out in the bedroom. They want to pull the covers over their head. They shut the window blind. And everybody leave me alone. Don't call me. Just leave me alone. Now, nothing gets done. Don't want to get out of my pajamas. Don't want to leave the house. And it, it creates that cycle of laziness and creates a vicious cycle in somebody's life, and it's going to destroy them. And, and, the, and the Bible's warning about that. So if that begins to creep into somebody's life, warn them. Get up. Don't stay there. Don't let. Don't facilitate somebody who's fallen into this pattern. Verse 16. He that keepeth the commandment keepeth his own soul, but he that despiseth his ways shall die. Verse 16 there. So he that keepeth the commandment keepeth his own soul. When it means, when it says keepeth there, it means that he's obedient to it. You know, you, you, you keep my commandments, the Lord says. And so we're, we're, to, we're to obey him. So we're to obey the word and, 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 and obey the commandment of God. And if we do that, it's, it's of a real, practical, and personal benefit to us. I mean, God's favor is on you if you're obedient to it. I mean, you, you, have, you have an open line of communication that's unbroken when, when, when you have favor with him, when your sins are confessed, when you're obedient to him. You have God's promises that have been given to you in abundance that you have like a treasure chest to dig through in the Word of God, and if you're obedient, walking in his favor, you're going to have his blessing on your life. He that keeps his commandments, keepeth his own soul. He's doing something good. He's, he's guarding his soul. He's, he's, it's, he protects, it, it protects his life. And, 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 the, the, and, and that's, that's going to happen to the soul of the wise man or the wise woman that lives according to God's word. But people today seem to they, they think the word of God's a paperweight or they, or they think it's just another book. But, oh, my soul, listen, it, in it are the commandments that keep us safe in this world, that, that help us, that, that grant us God's favor and blessing in our life. And the second half of that verse says, but he that despises his ways shall die. So that's just the opposite. If you say, well, I, you know, I don't listen to what God says. I don't care about all that Bible stuff, you know. And they just say, well, I'm, you know, don't talk, don't preach at me. I've heard people say it. You just keep that, you just keep that the four walls of that church, preacher. Don't be preach. Don't come out here preaching to me. I don't want to hear a preach. That's and God will facilitate you if that's your request. But 
the person that abandons it, you know, they're inviting death. That's what the Bible's saying there. He that despises his way shall die. You know, I rebel. I, like I said, I rebelled in my youth. I was I was terrible. I mean, God knows and Mama knows, but I don't think y'all need to know all about it, Amen. Because I was not no good. I made a lot of mistakes. I, I, I made a lot of terrible choices as a, as a young man. And, and like that, I almost crossed the line. God God gave me an ultimatum. Uh, I, I remember like it was yesterday, February second, nineteen ninety six. Like I said, you know, like I said, somebody felt like felt like somebody let go of a wrecking ball over around Fort Worth, and it sailed over here and hit me right on right on Twelfth Street in Paris. <clears throat> and I felt like life was fixed. Believe me, I felt like God was saying, "This is it, son. You are going to either give yourself to me. I bought and paid for you in 1975, and if you don't let me have what's mine, I'm going to take you home." And I felt that as sure as, I, as I'm feeling these boots as I'm walking around in them tonight. I'm telling you right now. God gave me an ultimatum that night, and I thank God that at that point I said, Lord, I've been doing what I want to do all this time, and it's time I turn it all over to you. And I, and I haven't walked perfectly since that day. I'd be lying to you if I tried to tell you I had. I fell down so many times I'm ashamed of it. But you know what? God's been so good and merciful. And, 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 if, and if, if when, when we fall down, if when we fall down, if we get back up, God's God's willing to He's willing to dust us off and pick us up and, and get us back on the path just like we were before we started. God is not a God who wants to slap us every time we turn around to remind us of what we did. God wants us to walk with him. He don't want us to sit down. He wants us to get up and walk and keep his commandments. He wants fellowship with us. But if we despise his ways, man, we're in trouble. But I praise God he gave me more chances. God's not just a God of second chances. He's a God of thirds and fourths and fifths and so on and so on. And, you know, God gave us his commandment in order to give us life and to keep us from death. They're not there to punish. A lot of people think God's, God's commandments is like punishment and stuff. But, but let me ask you a question. Why do you think it is a farmer puts electric fence around his cow? I mean, think about it. Is he an evil, sadistic lunatic that gets a thrill out of shocking bovines? I don't think so, neither. Amen. No, he, he loves his cows. He's made a pretty steep investment in them. If I know anything about the cattle market, and you know, and, and so he wants to he wants to keep them from pushing their way out from where he's got them kept into things that would hurt them. So he's just trying to protect them, isn't he? He puts a fence there to say when they get up there and bow, and they, oh, that's, that's him saying no. That's far enough right there. You can't go any further than that. He's not trying. He's not trying to hurt them. It's not that he says back, oh, boy, I hope they get in that fence, they get shot. No, I don't want them getting the highway where they get run over. And I end up losing my cow. I, I don't I don't want to hurt somebody. Somebody get killed coming down the highway. I, I, I care about my cows and the people that drive them down the road, so I want to protect them with that electric fence. That's why God put commandments in the Bible. It's like electric fence, because we, we, we all we like sheep, the Bible says, have done what? Going astray. Isn't that amazing? We need defense of the Word of God, don't we? Hallelujah. Amen. So he says, trust me. That fence ain't there to hurt you. It's there to help you. Trust me. Obey me. Stay inside the fence. Verse, verse 17. He that hath pity on the poor lendeth unto the Lord. And that which he hath given will he pay him again. I like that verse. It's a good verse. I mean, they're all good, but I like that one a lot. He that has pity 
upon the poor, lendeth unto the Lord. You know, God's telling us when, when we when we see somebody that's that's really struggling and really having a hard time, and I know, and I, I preface that by saying we live in the day of age, the day and age of con men. We live in the day and age of, uh, of drunks who like to pretend that they are somebody who needs help and drug addicts who pretend like they're somebody that needs help that just want to support their habit. And they'll stand out there and say, go with a sign that says, God bless you. Any help will be appreciated. And you have to rely on the Spirit of God to give you the wisdom to know the difference. But I, And I know people say, well, but when you put it out there, listen, that's, that's, on, that's on you. Listen, where that went, that's on you. So... You know, even if you give to somebody in good faith thinking that you're giving to the right person and it ain't the right person, you know what? God will still bless you because you thought you were giving to somebody to help them. Okay? So you're not wasting your money when you give to somebody that's poor. You're not wasting your money when you express your love and your pity toward them by trying to be a help to them. The Bible tells us it's like lending money to the Lord itself. You know? Our just and compassionate creator takes it upon himself to assume the debt so he can repay the lender in full. God God says, Okay, hey, listen, they ain't gonna pay they're not gonna pay you back, but I will. I'll take the debt. That's the God we serve. That's the God that, that, that loves he he loves those that, that, that and you know, you've heard to say it, God helps those that, that can't help themselves. And that's that's exactly right. God has compassion on those who are in terrible circumstances. How many of y'all have heard of George Mueller? I know you have because I just mentioned him about a week or two, I mean about a month ago. George Mueller from Bristol, England. Well, George, if you don't know who George, George Mueller was, in the early 1800s, he started he started some orphanages, orphanages over there for the horribly uh, poor children in England. And uh, he started off with some small buildings and, and trying to make it and and, uh, you know, and, and they struggled mightily because George never asked a soul for a penny, ever. He never once told a man, I need help. He never sent it out in the newsletter, we need help, ever. He went to a prayer meeting one night, and it changed his life. And he went home, and he went through his library, and he got rid of over 300 books and kept only one of them, which was the Bible. And it was the only one he felt like he needed from that, that point on. And one night while he was seeking the Lord regarding the orphanage, he heard the Spirit of God whisper to him a verse that said, Open thy mouth wide and I'll fill it. So he, t- he tested God on that. And God met those prayer needs. I mentioned here a while back the morning they woke up and, and uh, there was no milk. There was nothing to feed the children. And uh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, there was no bread. There was no milk. There was nothing. And uh, and so he just told the kids to line up, and, and uh, they began to pray. There was a knock at the door. There was a baker there. He had he had a bunch of bread, and he said, I woke up in the middle of the night, and the Lord told me to bake some bread and bring it down here to help you all out in this orphanage. And uh, just like that, God met the need of bread, but, and it, it wasn't but a few minutes later, there was another knock at the door, and, and it was the milkman, and he had a wagon load of milk, and he busted one of the wheels on the wagon. He said, it's going to take too long to get this fixed. I just Why don't we just donate this milk to the orphanage? So like that, God met the orphanage's need for bread and milk that morning. Well, 
let me tell you a little more. It, it says, let me read you this about it. It said, faced with difficulties regarding the rented houses where the children lived, so this is early on, he dreamed of building an orphan's home on its land and with every amenity. It took 18 months to amass the initial sum of money. And throughout that time, George counted the days he spent in prayer and recorded the funds as they trickled in. Each donation, God's answer to his prayer, rather than the fruit of a plea to man for money, spurred him to continue. Eventually, he built five homes, costing more than $100,000 to build, which is over $14 million in today's money. He prayed that down, $14 million worth. Let's hear that again. $14 million worth of money he prayed down from heaven and never asked a man for a single penny. He trusted God. You know what? Hey, listen, he lent to the Lord, and God took care of him. You see what I'm trying to say? Hey, these institutions were models at the time when very few such places existed. Many orphans lived on the streets or went to the poor houses where they were treated like slaves. In the Mueller home, each child was tenderly cared for, clothed, fed, and educated with Christian instruction as the bedrock. When they left the orphanage in their late teens, they went on to live productive lives. George raised each and every penny for this wonderful ministry on his knees through unceasing, persistent, thankful prayer and an unwavering faith in God. That ought to go to show you, even in hard times, in Bristol, England in the 1800s was not an easy. God can take care of somebody who wants to serve him. He can do it in 2023 for people that don't think God can do much anymore. Yes, he can. God's able to do all things, but it takes somebody who's got a, who's got a little faith in a big God. Amen. You know, but the second half of that verse says that that which he hath given will he pay him again. God will return it to him. God will take care of him. God is never going to be in debt to any man. I can tell you that. Ain't nobody ever going to say, God, you owe me money. No, God's not going to do that. Not, not, he ain't going to do that to you. God is never going to be in a position where he owes anything as a matter of debt to anybody. Therefore, to lend to the Lord is to ensure blessing in return. If you give, God's going to take care of you. Amen? God will absolutely pay back what we give in compassion to the poor. And God promises we'll never be a loser for being generous or or, or for our compassionate giving. God ain't never going to be in your debt. And God is exact and meticulous in repaying. Amen? Think about I want you to think about somebody in the Bible. Think Think about Ruth. We studied about Ruth here a while back. Think about how she how how she showed love to Naomi. She did she 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 told Naomi she loved her and she wouldn't she didn't want to leave her to leave her. She followed her. She said, Your people be my people and your God my God and when she got there, she didn't lay around on the couch all day and eat eat Twinkies and watch soap operas. No, she got them off her hind end and she went out and she gleaned in the field and brought it back and what did she get in return? She got a Boaz. She got a man who took care of her and she wound up being in the land of the Lord Jesus Christ. She, God blessed her, amen. She blessed that family, amen. As a result, amen, and Naomi was, not Ruth, but, but Naomi, but praise God. God blessed Ruth as a result of her faithfulness, amen, of taking care of her mother-in-law who had nothing. God, that ought, that ought, that's just one example, but that ought to show you. God is a good God who will take care of you. Verse 18, chasten thy son while there is hope. 
and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Now, there ain't no kids in here tonight. Amen. They always get nervous when you start talking about this verse, but amen. I got enough of them. I hope I hope y'all know a little something about it, too. Amen. Getting tore up. Thy show got tore up enough. Amen. I got my fill of it. But the Bible says, chasing my son while there is hope. You know what that tells me? That tells me there's only a small window of opportunity to chasten and wisely discipline our children. You know, again, that, you can't you can't be rough on them when they're little bitty, but there comes a time when it's all right. I've got to I've got to I've got to expect you to be accountable. I've got to expect you to do what I say, and that starts young. You've got to teach them that. And if a person fails to teach their children that, they've got even a worse burden in just a few years when they learn to tell you, hush, shut up, don't tell me what to say, I'll do what I want to do, you're going to do this for me, you're going to do that for me. And that's how you raise rotten kids who turn into criminals. I'm telling you, God's given us a narrow window of opportunity to chasten and to wisely discipline our children. And the word chasing, I know that ain't a common word we use anymore. Somebody said, I'm going to go chasing my kid. People say, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, what does it mean? It means to correct them by punishment is what it means. And this is from Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary. So this is the real definition. This ain't the modern Dr. Spock version. Here's what it says. It says to punish, to inflict pain, to inflict Pain for the purpose of reclaiming an offender. To inflict pain for the purpose of reclaiming an offender as to chasten a son with a rod. Now, again, age and circumstances limit your opportunity to effectively train them, so it's got to be done, the Bible says, while there is hope. While there is hope, what does that mean? It means children are sponges. Teenagers are brick walls. Teenagers don't get to the point where they know everything and you don't know anything. And that's going to happen about 13. So there's a narrow window there in between probably about 5 and and 12 where you've got about 7 years where you're going to teach them, you better teach them. Because at that point, if you don't taught them by that time, it's pretty much over. You've lost them. You know, there may become a time when a person wishes they'd done a better job and they've chasing their son or daughter a lot more than they have because they're going to pay for it in the long run. Charles Bridges said it's far better that the child should cry under healthy correction than that the parents should cry later under the bitter fruit to themselves and their children of neglected discipline. And the second half of that verse says, let not thy soul spare for his crying. Sounds horrible, doesn't it? This sounds terrible. Let not thy soul spare for his crying. If you fail to whip your child when they're in rebellion and they need correction, you're actually working toward their destruction. You're facilitating their destruction. Let me say that again. Maybe somebody was... What, didn't hear it, or maybe somebody listening in was doing the dishes and missed what I said. If you fail to whip your child when they're in rebellion and need correction, you're working toward their destruction. 
Many parents bring much destruction to their children by neglecting them. And, not, and, and it ain't by their abusing them. I mean, I know that goes on, and I'm, I'm certainly not for that, but I'm talking about the ones who do it the opposite direction. They don't do anything. And that's just as abusive as if somebody took a two-by-four and beat you every day. If somebody to leave you to your own devices, I'm going to tell you, this flesh is rotten, and it'll do everything rotten it can do, especially if it has no restraints. It'll be the most unkept and, and most unholy thing you've ever seen, you know? But I can hear some liberal somewhere saying, but let not thy soul spare for his crying sound like you're trying to kill him. I can almost hear that somewhere. You've got to try to kill him. You know, you ever have, seen somebody spat a dog with a newspaper and he goes, yay, 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 You think you hit him with a saw log. It was just a tap with a newspaper. You know, kids, do, so they learn that pretty quick. The, hard, uh, the more I holler, the less they're going to hit. The louder I holler, the more likely they are to stop. And that, that's the problem. Is again, as God says that in the Word. Do you know why? Because God knows the foolish heart of a child. God knows how how devious a child. A child can sound like you're ripping their guts out, and all you're doing is giving them a, a mild spanking. And God knows our tender emotions toward our children, and how we don't. Well, we don't can't stand the thought of we're really hurting them. No, God says, you just keep on whooping till you get it done. Whoop, it, whoop them till, you, till they got it. I mean, nobody in their right mind consciously desires to kill their children. We may say that. Boy, I'm going to kill you when we get home, but you're not really. Boy, if I get my hands on you, I'm going to wring your neck. No, you're not really. You just say those things because you're frustrated. But that you really don't want to kill your kids. But I'm going to tell you something. If you don't put to work the God-given means of a sharp verbal reproof, like, hey, you better quit that right now. I'm fitting to get a hold of you. That's, that's a sharp verbal rebuke. Amen? And, and, and parents, we're almost like afraid of sweet. And I know, I'm, I'm talking to a bunch of people here, most of them don't raise you. But, but we got parents today, they're scared to say anything in a store because they're afraid somebody might call CPS or somebody might say something to them. You better take a hold of your kids while you got a chance. God forbid somebody gets between me and my kids. They're going to have a world of hurt if they do, I can tell you right now. That's my child. Amen? And, and, and God give her to me. Amen? But, again, if you don't put that, if you don't use that sharp verbal reproof when they're making bad decisions to prevent foolish actions and foolish choices and a good sound whooping to prevent the repetition of those actions once they have already been, been made, then you're contributing to the worst punishment of all, which is their death. Because, again, there's a line out there somewhere. If they cross it, it's over. God said, you go that far, I'm done. I'm taking you out of here. And, and they don't know where it is, and I don't know where it is, and you don't know where it is, but God knows. And if a parent neglects their child, they're, they're just might as well just be shipping them down there as fast as they can. Verse 19, i got to hurry. i got 10 minutes. We can make it, though. <clears throat> a man of great wrath shall suffer punishment. And if I don't make it, that will go over. It'll be all right. A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment. So this, again, I, and I've been around some of those guys, too, touches people. You know, you say the wrong thing, they'll like go off the handle. And if they go off the handle, they might not get back on the handle. Amen? I, I mean, this, I've known some hotheads and some and some real some real people that you gotta got to watch. And 
It says a man of great wrath. Again, it's not just a guy that, that's just a little, little bristly every now and then. It's just somebody, boy, if you make them mad, it, it's like an atomic bomb goes off. And a man of great wrath, the Bible says, shall suffer punishment. He's headed for it. And out of control anger, it brings a lot of problems and a lot of costs. You know, things like disturbing the peace, that's one of them. You can get arrested for that and get a little angry and start throwing a fit. Well, and then, and then the cops show up and, what are you doing? Resisting arrest. There's a second one. <laughs> and, and, and then you might get assault, and you might get battery, and you might get reckless endangerment, or even attempted murder or murder if you can't control your rage. Because it doesn't take long for a little problem to become a great big problem when somebody can't control their temper. And, you know, God's not for that. God's not for a temper. Amen. We ought to surrender that to God and sacrifice that to God. You know, the Bible tells us over in Galatians 5, 23, among the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. It doesn't say self-control. It says meekness and temperance. Well, what is meekness? Uh, you've heard the term grace under pressure. Kind of the opposite. It's kind of pressure under grace. It's, it's, you know, it's, again, for a man to be manly, I've heard this said, for a man to be a manly man, he has to have the potential of violence. He has to be potentially violent, but have it under restraint. It's like, if I needed to defend your life, I would certainly do that. I would die trying to defend your life, but I'm not going to try to attack anybody. You see what I'm saying? That's meekness. It's, it's a, I, would, I would tear somebody limb from limb for you if I had to, but I'm going to be a peaceful man until that day comes. That's meekness. It's not weakness. We, we think of meekness as weakness. But no, it's, it's restraint. It's restraint. And, 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 and temperance, which is, again, that, that's being able to control yourself. That's, that's, that's being able to control your passion. And, and, again, that goes right hand in hand with anger because, again, it, that's why our passions get inflamed and we can't do anything about them. They, just, they take control of us. And, and, and wisdom of course, this is what the whole book of Proverbs is about. Wisdom is never going to lead a person to be of great wrath. So if you're getting angrier and angrier, wisdom has left you. Wisdom is gone. And, and again, a man of great wrath, the Bible's telling us here that he punishes himself. He only hurts, he ends up hurting himself. Uh, you know, because somebody wounds his pride and he gets angry and he's full of resentment. And, you know, it leaves him brooding like an old wet hen, just, you know, you hear a hen out in the hen house mad, and she just flares up and gets that neck feathers all puffed up, well, she's mad, she's going to get somebody, you know. And, and again, you leave, I've seen people get like that, just want to tear something to pieces, you know, because that anger get all over and, and just sitting there seething with anger. And as his anger burns, he suffers from self-inflicted punishment because this intolerable, unquenchable rage is tormenting him. That's what God's talking about. When, listen, when the Spirit of God ain't in you, that rage can just take over you and destroy you. And you put alcohol with it, that's how a lot of people end up killing somebody that was near and dear to them because they, they, got, they, took, they took alcohol and put it with a hot temper. Before they knew it, they made a decision they regretted forever. <clears throat> second half of that verse says if thou deliver him yet thou must do it again so you got this person maybe in your family maybe a friend of yours can't control the temper 
make horrible, horrible choices. They lose their their temper and they end up in trouble, wound up in jail. Why? Because you got mad, got mad at your neighbor, went over and just beat the living daylights out of him. Now you're in jail. Well, I gotta go bail you out. Man, that was a dumb move. Yeah, I should have done that. I ain't gonna do it no more. A week later, he's back in jail again. Why? Right? He lost his cool. Again, if I deliver him, then I'm gonna do it again. The person who can't control their anger is gonna run into trouble over and over and over again. And, and you rescue them once, it ain't enough, because the problem is it's in them. It ain't in the circumstances they're in. It's in them. It's like I said the other day, you know, you say, well, I'm going to move away from my troubles. No, you're going to take your troubles with you because your troubles are in you. They're not where you're at. Your troubles are internal. you got to go to God to deal with those troubles and work those troubles out and confess those things and, and repent and get right with God, and then your troubles will leave. But until, uh, until you turn them over to God, they're not going to. They're going to rule you. And, again, they blame the circumstances for their anger, but the circumstances really ain't going to do with it. It's them. And you try to help somebody like that, it's just fortune and bail money and court costs, trying to, take, trying to take care of somebody that ain't got enough sense to give it to God. And it's be- you know what? It's really better for you to back away, take your hands off of it, and let them face the consequences of their action, and hopefully they'll learn something from it. Amen? Because, again, we're enabling somebody when we keep bailing them out, when they keep going back to it. You know, the Bible talks about a dog returning to his vomit, so a fool to his folly. And if you keep trying to if you keep trying to bail them out and they keep going right back to the vomit, let go. Turn them over to God and let him deal with them. Verse 20, i got to hurry. I'm going to run out of time. Well, I won't. It'll be all right. Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. It kind of goes along with what we were reading up there a few verses ago where it talked about obeying God's commandments. To hear counsel and receive instruction. One of the mark, one of the first signs that somebody might have some wisdom about them is them being ready to receive more wisdom. If, you got, if, if you're hungry for wisdom, that means you, you took in some already. Hey, this is good. And you know what? And that's such a rare commodity today. Is somebody seeking to learn? Somebody really seeking wisdom of God? You don't run into that very often anymore. Most people, most people would rather seek after something in this world. They're fascinated with this world. They're fascinated with technology. Or they can't can't look away from the cell phone long enough to to look at a Bible. And and it's sad. And I know they say, well, my Bible's on my cell phone. But there's something about reading this old book with these pages. There's something wonderful about turning these pages and 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 saying, where's that verse at? Where's that? Uh, what does that book come after this? And there's something, there's something still good about doing that that you can't get going flip, flip, flip on the screen. Amen. Amen. That's right. I, I'm, I'm old technology all the way, sister. I think we ought to go back to the way things used to be. I'd go, I'd go for three-part carbonless or even put the sheet in between. I, I, I'd go back that far. I, mean, I like things done the old way. And, and, and modern technology has never done anything to benefit anybody. And I'll say this to my dying day. Listen, technology doesn't make your life easier. It makes you less free. It's just like, and, I, and I've said this, it's like, it's like the rat seeing that, seeing that cheese over and go, oh, I ain't got to go find it no more. They laid it out for me. Yeah. There's a reason why the cheese is free. And there's a reason why they're just throwing this technology out there for us. It's because they want us to get caught up in the cell phone, amen, we're not, we're, we're, we're like prisoners in a cell now. All right, I got to hurry up. So he said, receive, hear counsel and receive instruction. All right? And again, like I said, it's rare that people, 
are doing that. It's scare, like the old saying, scarce is hen's teeth, you know. A, a, a teachable person, to find one who will actually just sit and listen to teaching and preaching and receive instruction and say, man, I love it. I love what you said. I want to hear more. You don't see that much anymore. But somebody, somebody gets in that frame of mind, they're miles ahead of everybody else on the path of wisdom if you're hungry for it. Amen? But, uh, listen, you know, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, so they should be filled. Well, how do you, how, well, if you're hungry and thirsting after righteousness, how are you going to find out about it? Well, it's in the Word of God. You're going to have to hunger for law, knowledge and learning. Amen? So, again, hear it and receive it, praise God. Why? Second half says that thou may be be wise in thy latter end. Further on down the road, as you get older, the bad effects of, of rejecting wisdom they may not show up for a long time. That's that's the problem, you know, with choices that we make in life. We expect instantaneous results. We expect, well, I made if I made a bad choice, I ain't seen it yet. I mean, I know I made some bad choices, but I hadn't seen the fruit of it yet. Well, you know, the Bible says over in Galatians 6, 7, and 8, and I preached on this not too long ago, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God says, Don't you think for one second that ain't going to happen. Listen to verse 8. For he that soweth to his flesh, that's the person who rejects what God is telling him in favor of doing what I want to do, how I want to do it to please me. He's sowing to his flesh rather than sowing to the Spirit. In other words, I'm living for me rather than living for God. Well, the fruit of you living for you is going to show up in your life. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. In this life, you will taste the fruit that you have sown in this life. If you're saved, you ain't going to hell. You're not going to suffer for it later on. God is talking about in your flesh. So right now, in your flesh, you may be reaping something you did in your 30s. Right now, in your flesh, you may be reaping some wild behavior you lived in your 20s. But you know what? God says, as sure as the Bible's written, listen, you're going to reap what you sow. That ought to make us want to be careful and try to be, try to be wise and be teachable so that we don't face a bunch of stuff in our latter end that we didn't want to have to face. Amen. So in the end of a man or a woman's life, it's going to be clear whether or not they learned wisdom's lessons and if they listened to counsel or if they ignored it. You know, again, people end up tragically sometimes, and we wonder, why is it? Well, we weren't there years ago when they made terrible choices. But if you want to be wise later in life, get started. It ain't never, it's never too late to get started trying to be wise. And the last verse we're going to look at this evening, verse 21. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. You know, it's kind of like that, that video I had y'all watch earlier, you know. And it's talking about all the voices in your head. You know, again, there are many devices in a man's heart. People want to do all kinds of things. And, and you know... But when it says there are many devices, what, I think really what it's trying to say here is it, it's in our nature to plan and to prepare for the future. So I want to do this, and I think we're going to plan to do this, and we're going to do that. We're going to build a house. We're going to start a business. We're going to, we're going to have this many kids. We're going to do that. We're planning things out. There's many devices in a man's heart, many things that, a people, that people want to do. 
And some of those things may be wise. Some of those things may be godly. And yet some of those things may be foolish. And probably it's a good mix of both. But there's many plans, many devices in a man's heart. But the second half of that verse says, Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. And man makes plans, and, and man should make plans. I mean, God, God, God made man in his own image, and, and God's a creator, so God made man to want to create and want to build and want to do things. And that's natural, and that's right. But every plan that we make should be made with an appreciation of God's overall wisdom, work, and will. Now, let me back that up. Before we decide to do something, we ought to apply it and say, where does this fit in the wisdom of God? Would God have me to do something like this? Would God have me make this choice? How would this? How does this apply to what God's wisdom has taught me? Or am I making a, a gamble? Am I, am, I, am I risking something I shouldn't risk? Whatever this choice I'm making, is this a foolish choice or is this grounded in, in wisdom? Okay, that's one way to look at it. But then we're to look at it with the appreciation of God's work. If I make this choice, how is this going to affect the work of God that I'm a part of? Is this going to hinder the work of God? Am I, got, am I not going to be able to serve in my church, right? Am I not going to be able to give to my church like I ought to be able to give? Am I not going to be effective in, in ministry like I should be? Is my testimony going to be harmed? All those things need to be factored in when we're making the decision. All right? And lastly, the will of God. Am I going against what God wants? trying to do what I want. I wish I could tell you how many times as a pastor I've sat across the desk from somebody and they've looked at me and they've said, Preacher, I I, I think I'm going to do this. And I said, well, now, hold on a minute. This seems like it's something maybe a little opposed to what God's Word says. And have you prayed about it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I prayed about it. I got peace about it. I got peace. They got peace, but they can't show me anything in the Bible that tells them that God would be in favor of this or, or that what they're doing is right. I mean, and I'm talking about things that really were contrary to what God's Word said, and yet they're trying to convince me they've prayed about it and they got peace about it. And, I, and I'd say my hind leg, hogwash, because, listen, you're not going to go against God's will, amen, and tell me God give you peace about it. I, I, mean, I remember years ago I had a woman in my church and all her, all her brothers and her dad, all of them served in the military. Well, she was a single mom with two boys. And she told me, she said, I really feel like God wants me to go to the military. And I said, are you crazy? You think God wants you, as a single mom with two boys, God wants you to go to the military. God wants, first of all, God wants you going over on a battlefield somewhere. I don't think so. Second of all, God wants a woman who's got two children to rely on her to go off somewhere and try to be a soldier. There ain't no way God wants you to do that. Well, she made up her mind. That's what God wanted her to do. She went ahead and done it, and that's what she did. And I don't know if she ever got back in church after that. I have no idea. But I can tell you right now, I ain't, I ain't never heard nothing about her being back in church. I, I had a man I had a man one uh, years ago. I know I'm, I'm going on long, but I'm going to tell this, and I'll be done. When I first started church in Paris, had a man told me he, he drove a truck. He drove a truck uh, locally, 18-wheeler. And... uh He'd been coming there a couple of weeks, and I, I'd, I'd won him and his wife to Jesus, won his daughter to Jesus, won his grandson and his granddaughter to Jesus. I baptized them all. We first starting out. I baptized them all in, in, uh, in uh, uh, Rick, I can't think of his last name right now, but his swimming pool over in Paris. We didn't have a bad street. But this fella, he, 
he 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 come to me one Sunday morning. He said, preacher, he said, uh, he said, I'm thinking about taking an over the road truck driving job. I said, don't do it. He said, why? I said, because you won't be back in church if you do. And if you don't, if you're not in church, your wife ain't gonna be in church. And if your wife ain't in church, your daughter ain't gonna be in church. And if your daughter ain't in church, then your grandchildren aren't gonna be in church. They're gonna suffer as a result of your choice. Well, I deserve more money. My wife deserves more money. I said, well, I'm not disputing the fact that you're not making what you ought to make, but if you take that job, it's going to hurt your family. It's going to hurt your spiritual life. You know, he didn't listen to me one bit. You know, he took that job, and it was wintertime. It was about two weeks later after he took that job. He was trying to get up in his rig with a sandwich and a breakfast biscuit in his hand. He slipped on the steps, fell, hurt his back, and he never worked again. God trying to tell him something, but you know what? You got your man mind made up. You're not interested in what God has to say. Somebody said a long time ago I heard this. When a man's got his mind made up, you can't confuse him with the truth. What what I think is more important than what's true. You know, again, that's how that's how people get when they forget God. James explains it this way. He says in James four, thirteen through fifteen, he says, Go to now. Ye that say, go to now, that means look here. Look here, you that say, for today or tomorrow we'll go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. So that's what you're going to do? He says, whereas you know not what should be on tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And you say, I'm going to do this, that, and the other. You have no idea. He says, for what is your life? It's even a vapor. Oof. That's a smoke that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. I'm 55 years old. Just the other day I blinked. I was 18 the other day. And I blinked. I'm, I'm 55. My kids are grown, all but that little girl. I got grandkids. Listen, how did I get here so fast? I don't know. I know I know Roger Edwards, when his wife was about to pass away, he told my wife and my brother, life goes quick. Don't waste it, spending all your time trying to make money. Enjoy your family. Live for God. Do something different than just spending your time chasing dogs. He said, what is your life? It's a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away for you. That you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. In other words, it's all about seeking God. And again, obeying him. And, and following him and not letting your passions rule you. Let God have control in your life. In everything that we do, in every choice that we make, we're wise if we seek God's approval. And, and to walk in, in the light of God's word and in God's favor is the best place to be this side of heaven. Amen? All right, let's, let's, let's stand by our heads for a word of prayer, and let's ask God to bless us as we go from here tonight. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do come before you tonight, and we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, for the truth that you find in and Lord, how it helps our daily lives. And Lord God, if we have just take the truths that we find and we apply them to our life, Lord, it gets so much easier. Because you're always right, and you're always just. And Lord, you love you love just weights and balances. Lord, you love fairness. And Father, if we treat people the way you tell us to treat them, if we care for people the way you tell us to care for them, if we love them, and we make choices according to the way you tell us, then the Lord's life will be so much easier. Lord, we thank you tonight. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the shed blood. Lord, that paid our sin death. We thank you, Lord, that you didn't just stay dead. You, you rose from the grave. 
and became triumphant, first fruits of those that rise from the grave. Lord, we're thankful that you're coming back for us. Lord, we ask you to bless us tonight as we leave here and go to our home. Lord God, we pray you guide us and guide ourselves and guide our thoughts. Direct us, Lord, to be a help and blessing to other people. Lord, show us those around us who have needs that we need. Lord, we need to let you use us to meet. Father God, I just pray for our church. Pray, Lord, for those who listened in tonight. Pray, Lord, you bless their lives. We thank you for our visitors here tonight. We ask you, Lord, to please to, uh, to touch the lives of those that we mentioned and lifted up in prayer here tonight and going through uh, physical troubles, Lord, some of them are losing loved ones even tonight. Lord God, we just pray, Father, that you please with comfort and help. Lord, bless us now as we leave from here. So thank you, Lord. We give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.